0: Romans 3, and we'll be looking at verses 27 through 31. And if you've got one of those black Bibles from the back, that can be found on page 941. Romans 3, starting in verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith.
1: Thanks, John. Well, it's good to see you. It's, uh, it's good to be back. I have been gone for the last couple of weeks, um, and it, some of you have been gone too. You were like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know you were out of here. Um, and uh, yeah, about three weeks ago, uh, Molly and I went to a pastor's conference that's uh, for part of a church planning network, Acts 29, that we're part of, and, and, and did that in Newport Beach for a week, and then went to Colorado for a couple of weeks uh, for vacation. So we've really been suffering for Jesus Uh, over these last uh, few weeks, Um, but it's been really refreshing. I don't know if you know this, but Colorado is better than here Um, in terms of pretty much everything, um, especially in the summer, and so it's just been really great to to be there. My my folks are there, and so we got to sleep in while my parents kind of would take care of kids, and it was just really great, and so thanks for for your generosity that makes that kind of thing happen, and thanks to our elders for, for giving me some time off to be able to refresh, and got to read some books and do some other stuff, and um, got to visit a number of churches, went to three different churches, and had a great experience at each of them, but there's no place like home. And uh, so I'm glad to be here, and glad to be with you, and glad to be back. And we're going to turn our attention as we continue this series in Romans. Let's let's, uh, take a moment, though, before we dive in, and let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's sufficient for us. Thank you that it proclaims good news for us. And God... As that song we sang a moment ago said, we're we're never more found than when we're lost in you. And so, God, give us a fresh experience of being lost in you today, reminded of your amazing grace. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wyatt was a speech communication major in college, which means I had to take a lot of different classes on public speaking and do a lot of different public speaking. I actually, at the time, didn't know how relevant that would be to my job, um, but it was kind of an interesting thing. We got to do all kinds of different speeches, you know, where you had to sell a product or one where you had to give a eulogy of yourself, you had to write a eulogy, like you were speaking at your own funeral. That was kind of an interesting exercise, um, but, but one that I really remember was at one point we had to give an award acceptance speech. You had to pretend you won an Oscar or a Tony or an ESPY or some sort of award. Or, you know, you, and, and you could make up whatever it was, and so that was kind of fun. And you had to give a five to seven minute speech accepting this award, which is a pretty long acceptance speech, really. Um, but there was one rule, one rule for accepting an award in a speech. Do you know what that is? There's only one thing that's important when it comes to accepting an award. You have to make the people who gave it to you glad they gave it to you. That's the only goal, right? You, you, you don't have to thank everybody, though that can be fine, but you, you just, you just want to make them glad like, yes, that person was deserving, I'm glad they got it, I'm glad we gave it to them. That's the only rule. Well, I remember uh, a couple years ago watching the Hall of Fame acceptance speeches of David Robinson and Michael Jordan. David Robinson and Michael Jordan, two of the greatest basketball players in history. David Robinson, seven feet tall, played for the San Antonio Spurs. He was called the Admiral because he went to the Naval Academy. I don't know how they ever thought they were going to fit him in a submarine or something. But but that's where he went. I think he had a big growth spurt in college. And, and he just was this phenomenal basketball player, great big smile, really just a, a, a terrific guy. And then Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan if you need me to explain who Michael Jordan is, I don't know where you've been for 30 years, uh, but Michael Jordan's the best basketball player ever. Right? Like, I mean, there's not a, I mean, there's some debate, I guess, maybe, if you're crazy. But Michael Jordan's like, the best, and, and won a ton of championships, totally revolutionized sports marketing and advertising, and everyone wanted to be like Mike and drink Gatorade and wear Nikes and wear Hanes underwear and all <laughs> kinds of stuff, because Michael Jordan was just phenomenal. And these guys w- were both inducted to the Hall of Fame the same year, a couple other guys as well, but, but their speeches were an absolute contrast. Both are outstanding players, but, but David Robinson's speech he would have gotten an A in my speech communication class. He made you feel glad he got the award. He was thankful, he was grateful, he was humble, he was gracious. Michael Jordan was an arrogant jerk. Have any of you seen the speech? You can watch it on YouTube. What Michael Jordan did, and keep in mind, this is the best player ever. Like he doesn't have anything left to prove, but he thought he did. And so his speech was 20 or so minutes of him recounting each person that had overlooked him or done him wrong and how he proved them wrong. It was, ag- it was painful to watch. It was so distasteful. It was like, here is this greatest player that we all admire, and he's got this great smile, and man, we want to be like Mike. Not after that speech. Because there's something about someone who boasts. Who's filled with pride, who's filled with, I gotta show you how great I am, that is just so icky. Now, we recognize that as icky in other people. It's harder to recognize in ourselves. And and, and to some degree, I guess it, it made a little bit of sense in that he was right. He had proven all those people wrong. He was, I mean, everyone, he's better than everyone in the room. So everything he said, true but it's still distasteful, it's still disgusting. Well, there's nothing more distasteful or disgusting than a Christian filled with prideful boasting. Like, you get it a little bit with Michael Jordan, because he was so great, but a Christian who is boasting that they've been rescued by God makes no sense. Like, like, look at me, aren't I something, aren't I special? Because a Christian has done nothing to deserve it. And that's the kind of attitude that Paul is going to begin to address here in this particular passage in Romans chapter 3, verses 27 to 31. Let me just remind you kind of where we've been as we're working our way over this next year or so uh, through the book of Romans. Uh, we spent the first uh, 10 or 12 weeks, really, uh, which was just mostly a beating of the depth of sin. We looked at uh, chapter 1, 18 to chapter 3, verse 20, explored the depth of sin. The, the, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish, non-religious people were sinful, and the Jews were sinful, and, and everybody was sinful, and, and Paul was just trying to close every loophole, uh, take away every excuse, and, and, and perhaps maybe the, the most devastating thing he says is chapter 3, verses uh, 10 through 12. Look at that for a moment. Chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they've become worthless, no one does good, not even one. And so Paul is in this section elaborately convincing us of our total inability to do good before God, of our sinfulness. Now get this, this doesn't mean that we're as bad as we could be, but it does mean we're as bad off as we could be. And it's just been this thorough convincing of our sin, the depths of sin. Well, then the last couple weeks, and and I would r- just really recommend this. I, I wasn't here for those weeks, but had a chance to listen through our podcast to the, to the last three sermons. Phenomenal! I w- wasn't it a blessing to hear from these other guys and to hear just how God is using different people? You can clap for them. I'm clapping for them. Um, I, and so if you've been gone, I would just really encourage you to check out those things. But over those last couple weeks in particular, we looked at the depths of the gospel. So in the midst of all of that sin, God has an answer. God has good news. God doesn't leave us there. He has good news for us. And I think you see it summarized well in Romans three twenty-three and 24. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's everybody, all, and are justified By his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, you got a lot of big theological words in that whole section. That's why it's the depths of the gospel. It's not just sort of surface level skim milk. You're talking about some real meat there. There, We're we're justified, that is, to be declared righteous, to be made right with God. We're justified by his grace. Grace is unmerited favor, It's, it's something that's undeserved, something you didn't earn. It's just grace. Right When you are a student and you write a paper and you turn it in, you, know, you don't quite get it done on time. And, and your teacher says, I'm going to give you a grace, period. It's undeserved. You, you don't deserve that. So God makes us, we're justified, God makes us right by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, and the the guys that have taught over these last few weeks made it clear to you how how redemption is this idea that the the Jews would have thought about the exodus and people being released out of bondage in Egypt into a new life, a new promised land. The the Romans who would have read this, and the Greeks would have thought of a slave being purchased and into his freedom. This, This death of Jesus Christ redeems us. It sets us free. It makes us right with God. It's a gift of his grace. And so we explored the depths of the gospel. But this gospel is to be received by faith. All right, this is what it says in verse 26. It was to show God's righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So so you go, okay, I I get one through three. I'm sinful. I'm wicked. I, I, I can't. Do anything good enough to merit God's favor. This good news has come. Okay, I want to experience the benefit of that. How do I do that? Answer, faith. Faith. Faith is trusting in God. Faith is relying on God. Faith is depending on God. And so what we're going to look at today and through the rest of chapter 4 is the depths of faith. Paul's going to help us see that this way of relating to God, this way of being made right with God through faith, not through our works, is not a new thing. It's actually the way it's always been. He's going to point in the next few weeks to Abraham as an example of that. But he begins to talk about the power of being justified by faith. Now again, when you hear the word justified, think to be made right with or to be um, brought into, to be welcomed into God's presence. If you were in the courtroom of heaven and all that you've ever done, good and bad, was laid out there, Paul's made a really strong case as the prosecuting attorney. You're guilty. You don't get to be set free. You're guilty. So how do you get made right? How do you be declared not guilty but righteous by faith in Christ? So Paul's going to begin to just sort of help us work through what that means and what that does. And so here's kind of the big idea that he gives us for today, is that justification by faith crushes pride. Justification by faith crushes pride. Now, that should be really good news if you're a follower of Christ, right? If you would consider yourself a Christian, you already know that pride is a huge problem. You know that pride is an anti-God state of mind. You know that the root of all sin is pride, doing what you want, wanting to be like God. That's, that's what sin is like. C.S. Lewis said that it was through pride that Lucifer became the devil. So if you're a Christian, you know, yeah, pride's a bad thing. I need to root as much of that out of my life as I can. And so justification by faith, crushing pride, that's great news. But, but maybe you're here and you're not yet a Christian. Or you wouldn't consider yourself a, a religious person. You, you don't really know the Bible. You're not sure that you buy this whole thing even. Here's what I want to tell you. Pride is just as devastating in your life. Because pride destroys relationships. It destroys the way we relate and work together, right? Just think about the broken relationships in your life. I guarantee what's part of the equation is usually more than one person that has to be right, have to prove their point, have to stand their ground, have to show you. Pride ruins relationships. It breaks apart families. It breaks apart companies. It, it, it's, it's devastating. And so you should hear this as good news. Paul's going to say justification by faith, being made right with God by faith rather than by works, crushes pride. Two kinds of pride that it crushes. First, we'll talk about how it crushes the pride of boasting, and then we'll talk about how justification by faith crushes the pride of dividing. So first, justification by faith crushes the pride of boasting. Look at what Paul says here after he explores this good news. He says, verse 27, then what becomes of our boasting? What becomes of our boasting? And the context here, remember, is if you follow the flow of this whole book, the beginning started out with Paul saying, all those Gentiles, all those non-Jews are really wicked, and the Jews are clapping their hands going, yeah, I know, they're the problem. And then Paul kind of turns it on him and goes, yeah, but you're not so great yourself. Wait, 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 wait. And so Paul's turning the screws on all these religious people saying, circumcision didn't buy anything. You don't even do the things you say everyone should do. You're a hypocrite. And so, in that, there's this desire by the Jews to go, well, but aren't we special? Aren't we God's people? I mean, we're God's chosen people. Aren't we something? And there's this constant desire to look for something to boast in. And so, after all this, they're going, well, wait a minute. If this is not by works of the law, if it's not by circumcision, if it's not by being a good person, it's just by faith in Jesus. Then, don't I get to boast about something? You see Paul's answer? Nope. <laughs> what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Notice he doesn't just say it's rare. It's less common. No, it's excluded. And this wasn't a problem just for Jews, but for Gentiles, for all of us. See, all of us want to be able to take credit that we're really something. We want to have everyone else look at us and admire. Wow, that lady is a great mom. Wow, that guy works hard. Wow, what a pastor, what a neighbor. Some people are like, you know what, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. You know what they want? They want you to go, that guy's so independent. <laughs> wow, what an open-minded person. Wow, what a generous person, right? We, we all want to boast in something. Look at me, aren't I a good boy? Didn't I deserve something? Don't I get some credit, right? And, and, and this, I mean, th- this just fits with how we naturally are. This is the natural way we think. What goes around, comes around. If I do good, I deserve good. Right? And and it's just sort of, right, I work hard, I get paid. Right? And then grace comes in and upsets that whole thing. Grace comes in and says, you're going to get what you don't deserve. What you deserve is punishment. And you're going to get mercy and grace instead. Well, then what do I get to boast about? What do I get to pat myself on the back? What do I get to look for compliments? What do I get to exaggerate the truth to make people think I'm a little bit better? What do I get to do that for? Answer, nothing. Nothing. That's over. It's excluded. It's no longer to be part of your life. Justification by faith crushes the pride of boasting. See, pride ruins your relationship with God. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, when a man admires himself, He never adores God. If you're so busy navel gazing at yourself, you're never going to turn your attention to God. If you're big, then God is always small. And therefore, the scripture says God opposes the proud, but He gives grace. To the humble. And what Paul is saying here is that boasting, this attitude of pride, this attitude of aren't I something, this attitude of look at me, it makes no sense in light of the gospel, right? There's this uh, experience that I have with, with Molly's family. She's the oldest of five kids, and a bunch of them are married now. And so when we get together for Christmas, there's a lot of us, right? And if you had to buy presents for each person, you'd all go in, we'd all go in debt, and it just would be a big problem. And so we just draw names out of a hat, and we pick one person. So you get one sibling, they get another person, and it's kind of a random deal. And uh, so Christmas, you know, we'll, open, we'll each kind of do our sibling open presents thing. And uh, Molly has one particular sister that every time I open a gift, I open the gift, and she says, Good job, Luke. <laughs> and I think, it wasn't that hard to open the box. I mean, but, but I think it's her way of saying Congratulations. Like, good job. Way to go. Like, you got something great. But, but the actual language of good job, I, I received a gift. I didn't, I didn't do any, right? Like, I didn't go shopping. I didn't wrap it. I didn't buy it. Like, right? can you imagine if I opened that gift and was like, yes, I am awesome. <laughs> I did so much for that gift. Finally, someone sees all that I'm worth. Right, you'd be like, what is your problem? Right? Right? It's a ridiculous idea. Right? Because when you give, when there's a gift, it's not the recipient that gets the credit for it. It's the giver. Right? 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 Really, it ought to be way to go Maggie or whoever bought me the gift because they're the one that deserves the glory. They're the one that deserves the credit. They're the one we can praise and recognize that they contribute, right? They, they had to go out. They had to think of something creative. They had to wrap a present. They had to put thought in it, right? It's the giver that gets the glory. And what Paul is saying is, where does boasting come? Nowhere, because you're not the giver. You're the recipient. The giver gets the glory. And if you try to say, well, but, but I'm a good person, but I really work hard, but I really try. No, it makes no sense. So get this. You don't contribute anything to your salvation. Nothing. Anything good, all right? You, you bring a bunch of sin and rebellion and blasphemy and lying and pride. You bring a lot of that. I guess you contribute that to it. Right? Me. I bring nothing good to the equation of salvation. This is a gift of God's grace, right? Look at verse 28. This is, this is Paul's whole reasoning. Actually, back up verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith, right? Because if it was by works, then you could boast, right? If, if, if you were made right with God by works, you could go, well, I... I did the right things. Congratulations to me. Pat me on the back. I avoided the bad things, right? But he said, no, no, it's not by law of work, the law of faith. What's the law of faith? The giver gets the glory. Verse 28, for we hold that one is justified, again, that's made right with God, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. You're made right with God, By faith, by trusting in what Jesus has done, apart from works of the law, meaning works bring nothing into it. You don't contribute anything in any way. All right, listen, your obedience doesn't contribute, right? That's what it just said, not by works of the law. You can have the greatest day, and it makes no difference in terms of making you right with God, none. We're going to sing a hymn after we celebrate communion today, and the hymn is I Boast No More. And the last verse, I just love the last verse, here's what it says. It says, the best obedience of my hands dares not appear before thy throne. Get that? The best obedience. Like you on your very best day, when you were nice to everybody, and you read your Bible a lot, and you went on a prayer walk, and you fasted, and and you were giving all kinds of money, and you were serving the poor, and you were sharing the gospel, and you were just like Jesus that day. The best obedience of your hands dares not appear before his throne. But faith can answer thy demands by pleading what my Lord has done. So listen, it's not your obedience that contributes to your salvation, it's not even your faith as if you had enough to do with it, right? Because all faith is, is pleading what the Lord has done. Faith isn't, well, look at me, I've got enough faith, I've got big faith. Faith is just saying, look at Jesus. He's enough for me. I don't bring anything to this but sin. I'm pleading what he did. So that's not my work, it's just trusting his work. Do you get that? So not your obedience, not your faith, right? Charles Spurgeon again says, faith is the channel of salvation, not the fountain and source of it. Right? You don't get credit that you brought faith to the table. No, because even Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that you're saved by grace through faith, and this is not your own. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. You don't bring your obedience, you don't bring your faith, you don't bring your good intentions. Well, you know, I'm, I mean to do a lot of good stuff. So what? If, if, if your perfect obedience can't do it, then neither do your good intentions. Not your sorrow. Right, some people think, well, I know God saved me, but I gotta be really sorry for all that I've done. Remember in high school, uh, one of my really good friends uh, one day, she just kind of seemed a little off, and I said to her, I said, hey, what's, what's going on? What? And she said, well, I'm fasting today. And I wasn't a Christian at that point, but I had been around church enough, and I knew kind of what fasting was. I said, okay, well, what's, uh, why? Why are you fasting? And she said, well, I had a really bad weekend. I got drunk at this party, and I did some stuff that I shouldn't have done, and so i got to fast to make up for it. Now, again, I, I wasn't a Christian, but I knew enough to know there's something not right with that. Like, what is that fast? What's that fat? So, so what a lot of people try to do is go, I gotta, I'm going to believe, but i got to add my penance to it. i got to really flog myself. i got to really feel bad. You know, be, because then you, you, after you feel bad for a while, you go, look at how bad I felt. I felt worse about my sin than anybody, right? What is that? It's boasting. It's just another form of boasting. So not your obedience, not your ability to believe, because that's a gift of God, not your sorrow, oh, I feel so bad, not your smarts, like you figured it all out, not your background right some of you come from a family where you and a sibling grew up in the same home and you were raised in the same environment and you were taught the same things and yet one of you believes and one of you doesn't well wasn't the background that generated this automatically right i've never heard a genuine christian pray god i'm really something i i i got myself in a situation to hear the gospel And then I heard it, and I just, I thought through all of it, and I was so smart, and I figured it out, and God, you should really be impressed with me. You ever heard that prayer? If you heard that, you'd go, I'm not sure you're a Christian. I don't know if you're getting this grace thing. Right, we don't pray that way. We pray, God, thank you. Thank you for grace. This is your gift. And therefore, if we believe truly that it's a gift of God, that we don't contribute anything to it then it fills our hearts with gratitude and humility and praise where our boast becomes look at jesus not look at me aren't i special justification by faith cuts pride at the root it's a gift of god even the faith to believe is his gift now do we have real choices to make Right? Some of you say, well, but I have free will, and I, I, I count the cost, and I know I did it. I, I, I believe that you have real choices to make. We all make real choices. We're all held accountable for those real choices. But if you love Christ, the scripture says, you love him because he first loved you. It was his gift. It was his grace. So there's no more boasting. Justification, my faith, crushes the pride of boasting. It also crushes the pride of dividing. See, pride also gets in and it begins to ruin relationships. It begins to team people up, us versus them. A team, B team, JV, varsity, right? This is where Paul begins to move in verse 29. Look at what he says. He says, or is God the God of Jews only? That's what a lot of the Jews would have really liked. Yeah, you know what? God's kind of on our side. We're the good guys. We're wearing the white hats. They're wearing the black hats. And Paul goes, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith, that's the Jews, and the uncircumcised through faith, that's the Gentiles. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, we're all wearing black hats. There's one white hat. It's Jesus. So so this teaming up, we're better... You're worse. It, it, there's no place for it, right? There, there's no place for this kind of thing. There's no place for dividing up by ethnicity or by race or by gender or by social class or status or financial situation. There's just no place for that, right? Now, we love to divide ourselves up in all kinds of ways, right? Just, just watch MSNBC or Fox News. Pick whichever one, right? And, and what you see is we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. Both, both sides say it. Right? We, we do it in, in th- this neighborhood and that neighborhood. This school and that school. We do it down to football teams, right? The Broncos are God's team. <laughs> right? Have you ever seen a sunset? It's orange and blue. Like, clearly, God's <laughs> on our side. Right? And the Raiders, skull and crossbones, say no more right? And, and, and that can be fun, you know, when it's a rivalry and it's sports and it's something like, like that, but, but it gets pretty devastating when it becomes serious. Like, well, we're the educated ones and eh, not so much. You know, we're the moral ones, them not so much. It brings division. It, it makes it where we have to, you know, deny that we're really as bad as we are. And so someone on our team blows it and we have to kind of pretend that they didn't. It just, it, it's just a mess. All that is another form of pride here. And what Paul is saying is there's, there, there's one access point. It's faith in Christ. What the cross of Jesus Christ says is that we're all leveled. We all come as losers. Dead, hopeless sinners at the cross of Christ. There's, there's one way there. It's not some people are better, others are worse. We're all bad. We all get to come through Christ. So this truth should humble us. It should fill us with praise. It should give us the power to love one another and to be concerned for one another and to lay down what we need and what I feel like is important and my comfort right now for your sake. That's what this truth should lead to. And Paul's pretty hopped up on it. He's pretty concerned about this. He, he mentions boasting a lot in his ministry. Right? And when you sort of see someone does the same thing over and over, they mention the same things over and over, you go, this feels important to them, right? So like you watch enough Will Smith action movies and you go, I think Will Smith likes action movies, right? You you hear Taylor Swift sing another song about an ex-boyfriend, you go, she's pretty mad at her ex-boyfriends, right? You get the point after a while, right? You, You read Paul, there's some things he makes the point over and over and over. This is one of them. He hates boasting. There's a place in Philippians 3 where he says, you know, before I was a Christian, I had a lot to boast in. I was born on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Circumcised the eighth day, not born the eighth day. I don't know what that mean. None of you caught that, but I heard myself. Right, I got all this to boast about. I was really something. I, like, I was so zealous about this that I persecuted Like, I had a lot to boast in. And now, because of justification by faith, I count it all as rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Boasting, no place for it. It's excluded. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 28 and 29. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not. That's us. To bring to nothing things that are So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. It's totally inappropriate to boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Which? Grace or faith? All of it. It's a gift of God. The giver gets the glory. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Galatians 6, 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, for, for Paul, it's, it's no longer a boasting of look at me, it's a boasting at look at him. I'm going to plead what my Lord has done. Why is he so hopped up about it? Because pride dishonors God. Pride hurts our relationship with him. Pride hurts our relationship with one another. And Paul knows that the path to blessing and joy that we all want is a path of humility that comes through accepting justification by faith. The longer you think, it's up to me, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to do the right thing, the the more you're going to think, I'm one of the good guys. And your your heart's going to be filled with pride. You'll never be able to really love and give yourself and be real and admit your weaknesses. You'll never be able to do that. And Paul says, God's glory is at stake and your joy is at stake. Justification by faith crushes pride. Now, just a real practical thing as we kind of about to transition to the rest of our service. We're gonna spend some time in the rest of the service praising God. And I know that's always an interesting moment, right? Some of you are really music people and you know all the songs and you love it. And, yeah, and some of you, this is your first time here, You go, I don't know this stuff. It just, it all feels weird to me. I I get wherever you're coming from. I I was in three different churches uh, on our vacation, and at least two of them, it was like, this kind of isn't totally my style or my thing. But I joined in, and you know why? Because praise is one of the antidotes to boasting. Boasting is, look at me, aren't I special? Praise is, look at you, God. And so even if you don't know the songs all that well, or even if it's not your favorite thing, would your heart be stirred up enough by the grace of Jesus that has met you where you are at your low and has lifted you up? And would that lead your heart to praise? See, boasting is the language of sin. Praise is the language of those who have been rescued by grace. We have much to praise him for. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come under your word and to hear it and to be stirred by it and to then respond in praise. So God, fill our hearts with that kind of praise, with that kind of joy. God, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, who rescues us. We have no place to boast, nothing to be proud or arrogant about, and so forgive us. Drive us to be people who love praising you. We pray that in Jesus' great name.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, as Luke mentioned, we do now get a chance, an opportunity to respond. And and one of the ways we'll do that is through singing. And as he said, this is an opportunity for us to make a joyful noise as a collective people.